through him who loved us because the battle's already won. Our job is to stand our ground, to stay strong, to not be afraid because the battle belongs to the Lord and he already won it. Now, the battle's not some sort of military victory. It's the battle for souls of people for eternity. And there's some of you in here, I'm going to be straight up with you. You're a lost soul. And the reason you're lost is because you won't bow the knee to Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, you are going to be judged and found wanting. And guess what? And you know it. You wouldn't run headlong into a battle with nothing but a bathrobe and some flip-flops. But that's essentially what you're doing when you try to defend your faith without prayer and the armor of God. It's easy to say you'll stand up for Jesus, but when you're really under fire, it's hard. Today, you'll see how to get a full-body Kevlar spiritual suit of armor. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 with the conclusion of his message entitled The Messy Warrior. When we are strong in the Lord and in His power, that's where the magic happens. Because then God will use us in things we would never even dream of being involved in. God would call us to do things that like, dude, I would never do that. And the Lord's like, you're right. That's why I want to use you. Think of Gideon. Gideon was hiding out, threshing wheat in a cave. And the Lord's like, I want to use you to deliver the children of Israel from the Midianites. He's like, who, me? Seriously, Lord? And he's like, I'm the least of the least of the least. What do I got going on? The Lord's like, nothing. You got nothing going for you. Think about the Lord when he called Moses. I mean, talk about a guy who had nothing going for him. He was on the lamb. He was running because he was a murderer. He stuttered. And the Lord's like, I'm going to use you as my mouthpiece. Lord's like, he's like, uh, 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 talk, talking about my gender, you know. I mean, it was rough for him. But God takes someone who doesn't have the wherewithal and fills them with the spirit. Now crazy stuff happens. So if you're here today being like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm I'm that guy, I'm that gal, I don't feel like I got a lot going on, then you are a prime candidate for God to use you. Because when God uses someone who does not feel that they have a lot going for them, they'll never take the credit. When God uses someone who's way out of their league and something good goes on, you're just like, dude, wasn't that crazy? Because if not, you're like, of course God used me. I mean, I am so gifted, schooled, great pedigree, handsome, beautiful charismatic. See, none of those things. The Lord uses a person when they're strong in him. And our true strength is found in Christ. Now, because we need to be strong in the Lord and in his power, then notice what it says next. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So he's saying, look, because it's a spiritual battle, you need to get armored up. We need to suit up. We need to be ready for battle. 
Now, I'm going to talk about the armor in a second. So we're going to table all the discussion because we're going to get into all the little pieces of the armor and why they're there and why we use them and all these things. But notice, why do we get armored up? Why do we suit up that we may be able to deal with the schemes or the wiles of the devil? Do you realize that the devil's a schemer? He's got schemes against everybody. And what's interesting about the way the devil works is he's got a unique scheme against each one of us. He knows your weaknesses. I mean, you get it from the book of Job, chapter 1, where the Lord is boasting about this man, Job. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Because Job was a righteous guy. He was following the Lord. He was honoring the Lord. And, and, And Satan says, yeah, I studied him. The word in the Hebrew is, I strategized against him as a military would. Do you realize that Satan knows all your buttons? He knows exactly how to get in, in each person's heart. He's been doing it for a long time. With doubt, with fear, with discouragement, with pride. Satan's a schemer. And the only way you and I stand strong in the battle is by putting on the whole armor of God. That's the only way. See, and what's amazing is is each one of us has areas, if you look at your history, there's certain grooves in our hearts, certain areas of rebellion that keep coming up over and over and over again. And it's that one, it's like like our kryptonite. You guys, Superman, everyone know the reference? Superman, he was a super dude, except when kryptonite was around, and then he was a weakling. Kryptonite kept Superman from being amazing. And guess what? Each one of us has got some kryptonite. There are certain things at the right time in your heart and in my heart that renders us weak, and Satan knows it. And he sets the stage for each one of us. Oh, yeah, this, when this happens, and this happens, this happens, and then boom, we're off the rails. And make no mistake about it. Satan's a schemer, and he's looking to rip us off. Now, I know some of you are thinking to yourself, oh, come on, this is like some crazy mythology. You believe in in a spiritual realm? You believe in, I mean, you believe in the devil? I mean, come on, how, you know, this is the 21st century. We're way smarter than that. And I'm just here to tell you, if that's you, you need to just read. You need to start studying. Because quantum physicists, they're already talking about the fact that there's way more dimensions than just three. This is way deep in the way people are thinking right now. So it's not like some sort of, oh, yeah, it's like it's only, uh, it's only what I can touch. We all know that it's not, oh, what I can touch or what I can see. We all know that. So we need to take seriously the spiritual realm. Look what the Apostle Paul says. Look at this. He says, verse 12, and this is important, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, When he says flesh and blood, that's Hebrew for human. We do not wrestle just against humanity, but notice all these against, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, we need to get suited up. We need to get armored up because we're in a spiritual battle and there's all sorts of categories of menace that we're battling against. Not only do we have the devil, who's kind of the ringleader of all this, but you have things like rulers or powers, 
principalities, those with authority, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, all of these are types or rankings or way to explain the spiritual realm, what we would call the demonic, those created angels who rebelled against God with Lucifer. They're real. They're real. Now, when you realize, because the Bible teaches that there is a spiritual realm and there's a battle going on, what we have to remember is that if we're fighting people, we're fighting the wrong battle. If you're fighting people, you are fighting the wrong battle. The battle is not won when we defeat people. The battle is won when we fight the good fight in the spiritual realm. How do I know? Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You get that? The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. They're not carnal. But they're mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. See, when we realize that it's not only people, but it's the influence and the power behind some of what goes on, then we engage ourselves in a battle that is way deeper and way more disconcerting than just having an interpersonal issue. Way deeper. So we need to be strong because we're in a spiritual battle. Now, look at what happens. From there, we have verse 13 begins with the word therefore, which means what? What's it there for? You guys are good. When you see the word therefore, you always say, what's it there for? Or if you're British, you say, wherefore the therefore. It's a concluding word. That's what it's there to do. It's there to say, because we need to be strong, because we're in a spiritual battle, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. Now, I stopped right there for a reason. You notice this, stand, stand, withstand. So when the Holy Spirit is redundant or when there's a glitch in the matrix and you keep hearing the same word again, that gives us the foundation for what we need to do. The idea of standing literally means to hold your ground. Now think about that. We're not told to advance. We're told to hold our ground. Why? Because the battle's already won. Do you realize the battle's already won? The victory flag hit the ground. Like when a, a nation goes against a nation, they land on the beach, they put their flag in the ground. They're saying, look, we've won. When the tomb was empty on the third day, we won right there. So we are more than conquerors through him who loved us because the battle's already won. Our job is to stand our ground, to stay strong, to not be afraid because the battle belongs to the Lord and he already won it. Now, the battle's not some sort of military victory. It's the battle for souls of people for eternity. And there's some of you in here, I'm going to be straight up with you. You're a lost soul. And the reason you're lost is because you won't bow the knee to Jesus. 
And when Jesus comes back, you are going to be judged and found wanting. And guess what? And you know it. And some of you who know that to be true, you're saying, well, if Jesus comes back, I'm going to stand up to him. No, you're not. Come on. I mean, it's one thing when you've got your headset on, you're playing a video game. It's a whole other thing when Jesus comes back in all of his glory as God to judge the living and the dead. And everything that you've done is laid out on the table. You know you don't stand there, and neither do I. You don't. So why pretend with delusions of grandeur that that's going to go well for you? No matter how deluded I may be, if I get into a rink with Mike Tyson, even now, that ain't going to go well for me. I mean, I could be like, oh man, Mike's out of his prime and I am young and strapping and he's got that face tattoo and I'm just going to pop that thing. You guys all know if I'm like, hey guys, pray for me on Saturday. I'm going to go do, I'm, I'm going to go 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. You're like, yeah. You guys will be betting against me to go down in the first round. Let's be honest, right? I'd be a smart bet. Because no matter how deluded I become about what I am, you put me in a, in a ring with Mike Tyson, I'm going to be running. Running. Trying to make it look, I'm going to be running. Don't want to get close to that. Plus, I like my ears. You're like, we like your ear too, Fusco. That's right, we'll keep... Mike don't want to be chewing on that stuff anyway, you know. The battle's already won in Jesus. And because he's the victor, it's not wrong to be bandwagon. You know what the bandwagon is? It's when you jump on the winning team. Obadiah's doing that right now. I love my boy. He's so cute. He doesn't have a team yet, so he just likes whoever's winning. And so like, we'll watch football on Sunday afternoon. He's like, which team's winning, the blue team or the white team? I'm like, the white team, like, that's the team I'm rooting for. And there's a childlike wisdom to that because it's always best to be on the winning team, isn't it? There's nothing, there's nothing truly honorable about going down with the ship because you're too stubborn to jump ship. Nothing honorable about that. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are going down with the ship. And there ain't nothing honorable about being too stubborn to jump ship and get on the winning team. Because eternity's at stake. Not only hereafter, but right now. Because if you are outside of Jesus right now, you're missing out on heaven on earth. You're missing out on life on this side of death. Some of you are saying, well, I'm not worried about life after death. I want to know if there's life during life. There is. And it's in Christ. And it's a life filled with his love and his light and his goodness and not being all about you, but being about him and serving others. So I'm going to give you an opportunity by the end of the service to make that decision. You need to make that decision. Don't be too stubborn to drown when you have a whole life ahead of you. And that's a good life that God has ordained for his glory. But notice, we need to stand. And these verses here teach us to stand as a prayerful and armored warrior. We are to stand as a prayerful and as a armored warrior. We are in a battle, even though the victory is already won in Christ. We are in a battle, and we need to stand as a prayerful and armored warrior. Now, I get the prayerful part from verses 18 and following, and I get the armored part, of course, from verse 14 to verse 17. So we are to stand as a prayerful and as a armored warrior. Now, let's look at these 
This metaphorical use of armor. It's a picture. And so like every picture, we're going to find that the Apostle Paul is going to use all the armor that was on a Roman soldier, which he was probably chained to while he was there in jail. He goes through the armor, not based on their spiritual implications, but how a Roman soldier got dressed. So people always talk about, so why is the belt of truth on? And you want me to put the breastplate of righteousness on, but the helmet of salvation comes later. Doesn't salvation have to come first to be righteous? Some of you believers think that way. Why is it in that order? Because he does it in the order that they would get dressed. The way the armored Roman soldier would get dressed, the Apostle Paul uses the analogy. So that's why they're in the order that they're in. And so don't think that it's in that order because you need to get all these things right first before you can put on the helmet of salvation. So he uses the picture as the driving principle for the teaching. So, and what's interesting about this is the Apostle Paul no doubt grabs this idea of the armor from Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. Isaiah 59, 17, listen to what it says. For he has put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He has put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and, has, and was clad with zeal as a cloak. So this, it's a picture of the coming Messiah who's already put on the breastplate of right, who put on the helmet of salvation. So the Apostle Paul has prophetic witness to this type of language. Now let's look at all the different pieces. First look what it says. Stand therefore, verse 14, having girded your waist with truth. Now, the idea of girding your waist, it literally means putting a belt on. And what's interesting is the belt that the Roman soldiers wore was not actually part of the armor. It was meant to take together all of their underclothing so that they would have freedom of motion. Kind of like why you and I wear a belt today. Now, some of you guys have belts for fashion because you have a big old belt buckle that tells you something about what you value. I want a big cheeseburger belt buckle. But come on, we know that the bell buckle says something about who we are, doesn't it, right? It's like something like, yeah, daddy's toy, there's a tractor on it, you know? But in the Roman culture, the, it was part of the undergarments, because you had all these underclothes, and you'd wear a belt to keep all the undergarments together so that you would be able to have freedom of motion. So for us, for you and I, the thing that is meant to bind everything together so that we have freedom to live and move is truth. Having girded yourself with truth. Now, I realize that in our culture, we have what they call a truth problem because, well, it's your truth or it's my truth. Just so you know, if it's your truth and it's in contradiction to my truth, then it's not truth, it's just opinion. That's just, like, there's, it's a logical impossibility to have your truth and my truth. Neither one of them is truth. There is such a thing as truth. No matter what you learned in school, no matter what Facebook tells you, there is such a thing as objective truth. There is. And listen, I don't have the time today to get into all the different philosophical underpinnings to such a statement. But if there's no such thing as truth, then we can't know anything, which leads you to something called euphoria, which is intellectual exhaustion. If nothing is true, then you have nothing to stand on. Literally. You can't say anything about anything. And what's interesting is the people who are the most against truth, their truth claim is just as strong as yours is. Theirs is, well, yours isn't the truth. How can you say there's a truth? That's in itself a truth claim. 
And if you really think, if you're in here today and you're like, I don't believe in truth. Yes, you do. You're not, your lack of belief in truth is a truth claim just the same, although a negative one. So the problem with our truth problem in the 21st century is that it's completely illogical. It's completely devoid of any sort of substance if you follow it to the end. And, and listen, I know this because I tried. I was really big on, man, that's your truth. Great. You know, want to worship Jesus? Cool. I want to worship whatever I was into at the moment. But the problem is, is when you follow a lack of truth claim to its logical ending, you end up with a truth claim just the same. So then the question becomes, am I willing to submit to what truth is? And for you and I, those of you who are here who are believers, our, the truth of who God is, of what God has done, is meant to bind up everything so that we have the opportunity to be able to move freely and do what we need to do. Truth keeps you together. And we need a firm handle on the truth. That's why we are Bible people here, and we will always be. We are Bible people. Because God's truth teaches us what it is that we are meant to do and how. So we gird ourselves with truth. Notice next, the middle of verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate covered the body from the neck to the thighs. It was called the heart protector, the breastplate of righteousness. And in context, righteousness means right living or uprightness. The thing that protects us is our uprightness. Now, I know that the Apostle Paul talks about righteousness being conferred by Jesus, that positional righteousness. But we know, and you guys have been in church long enough to realize that because Jesus is right and he confers his righteousness, we have no other option than to be righteous as he's righteous. One of the biggest issues we have with the way justification by faith functions in Protestant churches is because Jesus is perfect, then I don't have to be. But Jesus said, be perfect as the Lord your God is perfect. So because God is righteous and we imitate God, we should see our lives changing. And in all the ways we fall short, Jesus picks up the slack. But don't let yourself off the hook to be a growing person. Our lives should be different than they were six months ago or a year ago or 18 months ago. We're all in process. And let's be honest. When you and I struggle, it's not because God isn't righteous. It's because we're living in a way that's unrighteous. And that's a kink in our armor. Doesn't Satan have an in when you and I are messing around? When we're living on the edge and we're doing what we know we ought not to do? There's a kink in the armor, isn't there? And Satan goes right at that stuff. And that's why it's the breastplate. How often has our lives become undone because we're choosing to live unrighteously and it opens up our heart in such a way that we're possible to get wounded. So we need to walk circumspectly with wisdom. We need you and I to say, God, I want to be righteous like you are. Change me. Amend my ways, God. Because that protects that area of us where all the essential organs are. There's really no defense for rebellion. Think about that. When you're living in rebellion, you're going to get picked off. That's just the way it goes. There's no way to defend against rebellion against God. It leaves you completely exposed. And that's why that breastplate is righteousness, right living. Jesus is 
I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus at Israel Radio. It's exciting to me that you would take the time to listen to this. It is my distinct hope that each one of us would simply respond to Jesus. That's a big idea for me, for Crossroads Community Church, and for Jesus is Real Radio, that each one of us would meet with Jesus, what I like to say, at street level, because Jesus is right where you are. He is right there in the middle of your situation and in the middle of your circumstances. Jesus is right there, and Jesus wants each one of us to learn how to simply respond to him. What that means is that at every moment, Jesus prompts us and we take that step. And it's my hope for you as you're listening to this program that you would find yourself each day simply responding to Jesus more and more. You'll become more loving, more kind, more gracious, more generous, not just financially, but in every single area of your life. You'd find yourself desiring to serve others and not just hoping that everyone is there to serve you. When we simply respond to Jesus, we become closer and closer and closer to who God created us to be. And so we say that Jesus is real, and He is, and He exists right where you are, and He is inviting you to partner with Him in recreating the world. So Jesus wants to change the world, and He is looking for available people, people like you and like me. So please, as you listen, simply respond to Jesus and engage yourself in the work of God's kingdom in your community and your world. God bless you so much.